0: Alright, filling in for Pastor Gus here. I'm definitely not as dynamic, dynamic as him, so bear with me, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit about God's unconditional love. I uh, teach in the 7th grade Sunday school, so have got a few more pictures than you're probably used to. I kind of like diving into finding different clip art and different things, and uh There's quite a few in here, so sometimes I just power through or I just skip things. So don't uh, let that trip you up at all. So let's start with a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into it. Dear Holy Father, I just thank you for this wonderful day that we can get here, come here and gather together and just look into your word. I just pray that we could have a profitable time here, that you could show yourself a little more clearly to us, that we could humble our hearts and be receptive to your word, that we could grow, grow thereby and be focused more on you and how you want, would want to use us in our lives and as bodies of this local church. And I just pray for Pastor and his travels, that you would take care of him, and I pray for the folks that are having a tough time with um, physical issues or emotional issues and anyone here even with different trials in our lives that we could continue to focus on you as a solution and that we wouldn't get too caught up in our own strength to try to figure things out or overcome or get through any situation that we have in front of us. And I just thank you even for everyone that was able to come and all of our brothers and sisters in the Lord that you've given us to be there for us and to help to encourage us um, in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So God's unconditional love, quite a bit different than uh, the love that we can express to each other as human beings. So just run through some things and see how it's different than how we can love. And uh, it kind of ties into the long-suffering message that Mr. Fallstrom did. It was kind of interesting always. We see this with Camp 2 where you have a message that the Lord lays different things on your heart. And then you get to camp and you can see all these other teachers and what they bring forward from his word. And it's pretty amazing to me always to see how it The Lord flexes through all that and kind of ties the the information together. So it's kind of a you know long suffering and unconditional uh, are kind of similar in a way. Unconditional, this no strings attached with God. His love is doesn't require anything in return. There's no reciprocity. There's no restrictions it's not like human love where it's a lot of times human love is more like you scratch my back I'll scratch your back right you treat me in this certain way and then I'll treat you in this certain way or you do this for me I'll do this for you even when we're trying to be moral or good a lot of times it's you put other people first because you want to look good or you're expecting them to do something nice or kind for you in the future, even though you don't ever maybe even say that. As human beings, that's in our nature. So we got to look a little bit more always at the difference, and the Word of God shows us about what He wants us to know about His character, and He also tells us along the way what He thinks about our uh, character and, and what our needs are. So we're looking specifically at the way God loves us, It's this unconditional peace. We always want to look at who our God is, how powerful is our God, and how does he affect our life. And we know from the Bible that we want God to be our life. We want to be so involved with him in that relationship and that love relationship with him that we're focused on him moment by moment and in as many moments as possible throughout the day and then throughout our lives. We know that's not always the case. It's never the case. We always make mistakes, but we want that to be our focus, and we'll tie into that throughout the message as well. I'm the Alpha and Omega. I'm the Alpha in the beginning and the end. I'm the Alpha and Omega. I'm not going to read through all these, but I'm just bringing some verses forward that talk about the I Ams. God tells us who He is in the Bible is, is my point. I am the shield. I am your Lord. I'm the Almighty God. Um, and on and on. Some of the more important ones or ones to focus on is he says that he's the door, he's the good shepherd, and he says that he has come, that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd in John chapter 10, verse 11. Later in John chapter 10, he talks about giving unto us everlasting life and We'll never perish, neither shall any man pluck us out of our fathers' hands. My father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. This peace to first establish the unconditional love of God is what he did for us on the cross, in sending his son to die for us. He created us to have fellowship with us, to walk and talk with us. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. There was a sin barrier that was created and it took something that was perfect. This relationship where we could walk and talk with God face to face and now it became unperfect. There was a barrier there, the sin barrier. In the future, we're going to look forward to this state where we can walk and talk with God again in this perfect situation in heaven. And right now we can have fellowship with God in the church age in our minds, through reading the Word of God and through prayer. But something had to be restored, so we'll just go through this really quickly. There's a problem. Sin entered the world, wherefore by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin. So death came upon all men for all of sin. There's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. All of our righteousness is filthy rags to God, even our best stuff stinks. There's a wage for this sin. The wage for sin is death. Sin or death in the Bible is eternal separation from God. So that was the problem. This unconditional love was manifested towards us. We did nothing to receive it because God loved us. He sent his only begotten son to die for us. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he became the propitiation, propitiation or substitute for our sin so that we can live, so that we could have him as our life, that he could be our power source from day to day. For by grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, not yourself. It's a gift of God, not a works, lest any man should boast. So a gift inherently is a good example to use as this no-strings-attached, unconditional to help define the unconditional, no-strings-attached part of love. And I think Mr. Falstrom, when he was covering even the characteristic love in one of his messages, spoke to this. You know, as far as the un... There's nothing that we can do, and it's even the definition. I think he even said that in in the long-suffering piece. God's character. God sometimes defines those terms for us. We have a Webster's Dictionary... And in Webster's Dictionary, there's a definition of love, but it's not agape love. It's not this love that is greater than any humanistic love or any even perspective that we can ever have on it. As human beings, it's really hard for us to love each other this way. It's even hard for us to forgive each other sometimes. So in talking about the unconditional nature of God's love, it's super convicting to me, and I hope it's convicting to you in a sense of uh, leaning on God and resting on God to help us to love like He would want us to love. So some of this first tense salvation, we'll go through this, but God demonstrated His love towards us while we were still sinners. We didn't do anything that pleased Him. It was to the point even where He despises sin and He still sent His Son to die for us. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. There's nothing else that we would have to do. He paid for the penalty of sin for one time, for all humanity, for all time. A lot of different ways to talk about salvation. Him delivering, rescue, redeeming us, justifying us. Again, it's finished. He's taking us from a place of need and He's bringing us into His family, um, bringing us into a position of abundance where we have all these promises we have access to the Holy Spirit if you're a believer and we'll get into some of that hopefully if I don't get too long-winded John 14 1 through 6 verse 6 says Jesus said unto them I am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the Father but by me um, let's turn to John 14 real quick we'll just start there just start in verse 1. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's lots going on here. I'm not going to try to go through any of this like verse-by-verse study. I'll leave that up to pastor. But uh, I think this is very encouraging and I talk to my kids about this and kids in Sunday school and camps and, and that sort of thing. Just encouraging to think about where is Jesus right now Is Jesus is in heaven making mansions for us. So that's our future hope that we can always rest in. And sometimes I know I don't think about that often as often as i should and when i do think about it i'm immediately instantaneously encouraged no matter what trial that i have going on is to think about i have the son of god sitting at the right hand of the father working and making mansions for me and the next thing on god's timeline is that he's going to come back for me and we're going to be reunited pretty encouraging to think about that there's other examples in the Bible of God providing for us in this unconditional way in uh, John chapter three verse fourteen through sixteen it's re- referencing uh from numbers here where Moses and the children uh, God had sent some uh snakes. there was a lot going on, but this is just a re- Referring back to that where Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Numbers it speaks to that story I'm not going to go through that whole story but the idea of it is the people God told Moses to put a snake on top of this cross and the people would be given, uh, you know, they would be saved from the situation that they were in. This was a situation, you know, caused by some of their own actions and God judged them and then gave them deliverance from that. And the idea is that all they had to do was trust God, take him at his word and believe this to be true. Just with first tense salvation is God provides all, all of what we need in sending His Son to die for us and all we have to do is believe that, accept that to be true and it's uh, something that can be trans- translated into our daily walk, our second tense salvation in any trial that we have is whether we really believe that God is who He says He is. This is the Alpha and Omega the one that can speak things into existence, that can part the Red Sea, like Stumper was s- preaching on last Wednesday. We read all these stories, and we, we even see his power. And like Mr. Falstrom, I thought that was really impactful when he brought that point forward about the Lord's patience and how he, he could squash, could squash us like bugs, and really give us what he, what we deserve. But he's so patient and long-suffering that he chooses not to. And that being one of the greatest expressions of his power. And I've thought about that before, but when it was said the way it was said, it was really impactful for me. And I think when you look at who God is, he could have called 10,000 angels. He, he is the Alpha and Omega. He's the Alpha dog. He loves us and he he sent his son to die for us because he wanted to be reunited with us. And he and he provides for us because he wants to. He could judge us. I was I'm a coach of the swim team and I was talking to one of these swimmers just last week and it's interesting how the Lord always works. I was talking to my mom for a while about it, the same young man, and been praying for him and I've been able to give him the gospel a few different times, and he hasn't been super open as far as internalizing, but he's been open to listening. Anyways, he was getting confirmed, and we were talking more this week, and he was painting this picture of God as being, you know, this uh, dictator. Uh, And I took some time to explain to him that the, the God, my God, the God of the Bible is not a dictator. And I kind of used some of this example right from Sunday, you know, and how God is patient. He's loving. He's kind. We can't even forgive, you know, certain things that people do to us. Little, small things, we can't forgive them. We can't get over, you know, even big, some, there's bigger things, but even the small things we sometimes can't even give get over as patient as we are with some people, I know with me, I blow up sometimes on my kids and I lose my temper. And, you know, that's not the God that we have, though. And uh, we'll get more into this, but I'm going to just burn through some of the first 10 salvation. But he says, The greatest I am. I think, you know, I really like quoting this. Dad's really promoted this verse and i think it's kind of rubbed off on mr falstrom and pastor and a lot of different people but this is one of the cleanest presentations of the gospel i think you know and jesus says i'm the resurrection and the life he that believeth in me though ye were dead yet shall he live and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die and then he says directly to each human being that's reading this do you believe this Essentially what he's saying is, do you believe me? Do you believe what I've done for you as an individual? And uh, so when you're giving someone the gospel, I like to go there because you're not talking then about like what Carl Amon's trying to convince you of, right? You can go right back to the source and that's why I think learning the IMs and being able to tell and explain the IMs to people is pretty important But what does believing mean? Again, believing is just accepting something to be true or that something exists. So does God exist? I think everyone here would say yeah. And is he someone that loves you unconditionally? Do you accept that to be true? Do you accept the fact that all these different promises, that he'll never leave us or forsake us, that he'll take care of us, he'll give us the desires of our heart, when they align with him, if we're in fellowship, do we actually believe God? And a lot of times when we don't forgive or we can't get over certain things with individuals in our life, it's because we don't believe them. We don't trust them, right? And maybe they have a bad track record, but God doesn't have a bad track record. God has never failed us. That's why he tells us, taste and see that the Lord is good. And the more that you taste and see that the Lord is good, you can grow in grace And that admiration of Him. And uh, that's what I'm trying to bring forward today. And hopefully it can encourage you too. Um, I'm not the best at delivering all this, but hopefully the thought of this unconditional nature of the Lord would be encouraging to you and and be convicting to us too. But uh, future hope, there's a bunch of stuff from Revelations And uh, let's go back to John 15, just one chapter over. I'm going to bounce around a little bit between a few chapters, so bear with me. John 15, verse 12. Well, I can start in verse 11. He's talking about this abide principle. Uh, Mr. Falstrom brought that forward a little bit. speak to it a little bit later but i wanted to bring for this verse 11 these things have i spoken unto you that my joy might be my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full he wants you to be so full of joy that it overflows so that we spill with what we're filled with and the only way to do that is to be in fellowship to be resting on his promises to be praying without ceasing, and we're not always, so we need to use First John 1, 9, get back in fellowship, and tie into those tools that he gave us, his word and the prayer and the Holy Spirit inside of us to help us. This is my commandment, that he love one another as I have loved you. So just think about that for a second. And what does that mean to you? that you love one another as I have loved you and then think about this in the unconditional characteristic of God versus the characteristics of men is that possible? is it possible that you can love one another as I have loved you? and you know it's a, not a trick question but the answer is yes and no right? We can't do it in our own strength, but we can do it in and through Him working in and through us, right? With the provision of the Holy Spirit, the sanctifying of the Word of God, and the power of prayer. With those three tools, we can love other people like He loves us. But without those tools, without abiding in Him, so we're, we're in this chapter. Go back to verse 3. Now you are clean, through the word which I have spoken unto you, abide in me, and I in you, as much as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. So it's this concept of abiding. You got the visualization of a vine, and I like to think of a tree more than a grapevine. So let's think of a tree for now. And you got a tree, and a tree only. Grows if it has the nutrients, and you can think of these tools. And God the Father is being the 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 provisions or the nutrients that we grow by, and then even the fruit that we produce comes through the inworking and dwelling of the Holy Spirit. So none of none of our growth has anything really to do with us, and nothing that we can produce has anything really to do with us. It's all a provision of God's power for us, and we just rest or abide in that. So, yes, we can, but not in our own strength is the answer. And why Why does God want us to abide? And again, it's that our joy might be full. Back to this idea, what is your idea of God? Is it a dictator kind of God that wants to take away all of the fun things that you are, that Satan is and the world is kind of flashing in front of us. Is, is God someone that's not allowing you to have fun? Not allowing you to live life to the fullest and have all these adventures and experiences? No, right? God's, God wants us to be full of joy. He wants us to fill us up so much that our testimony is that our cup is running over with joy. You want to show the difference between you and the people around you? I know everyone that's around me at work and all my friends, they're not happy. They're not full of joy. They might act like it, but they're not. When, I, when you really get to know someone, most people are just not happy and the real joy comes from living above the fray is uh, something my dad has on the wall and it's been impactful on me. It's this idea that you have the trials of the world and when you're walking and talking with the Lord, no matter what is going on, no matter who lets you down, even if it's your best friend, no matter who, you can still have this joy above, above all else. Pretty, pretty awesome. So where does the action happen? It happens in our mind, right? Whatever we think about, what, what you think about is what defines you. Your thoughts and your values and what you focus on is going to have some sort of impact on on how you act. A number of actions in a row could be called a habit. A number of habits, right, could be called your character. So your character goes back to what you think about and what you care about. I work in natural resources. I am a silviculturalist. I deal with all these different people that have all these different values or cares about how we manage the public domain the national forest and you can pick people out based off of their value and kind of identify some you don't want to judge people i'm not talking too much like that but what people care about does define who they are and it happens in your heart and your heart and the in your mind are the same thing to god and samuel and uh samuel first samuel 6 Sixteen seven, the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not at his countenance, or the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth; for man looketh not on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. This idea that God doesn't care what, and He knows our heart. He's all knowing. He knows everything about us, all the hairs on our head. But He doesn't care about looks right? He cares about what we're really about. Because we can put on a good, good show and a good front. We can even act like we're loving people. And they don't even have any idea, right? What we're really thinking about or what we might be doing when they're not around and all that sort of thing. But God does. God knows. And the real you can't hide. You can't hide from God. So what are your goals? What are our values? Do we want to Utilize the power of God through prayer, being sanctified by hearing his word and letting his word change our minds, right? And allowing the comforter, the the tutor, the Holy Spirit to help us um, to live in a way that would bring honor and glory to the Lord. And it's all right to doubt the Lord, right? But if you're doubting the Lord and you know that you should be trusting, then we should pray about that. And he even tells us that he'll give us the, the ability to even, you know, not even knowing what we should pray for. He'll help us, right? He'll help us through even getting the desire to serve him, but just admitting, being honest with the Lord that I have no desire right now. Please help me to have a desire to, to serve you, Lord. And he's the Alpha and Omega. He, he's in control of everything, I mean, this God is can part the Red Sea, can control all of this creation. It's let's not put him in a box, right? That's kind of the premise here too. Is but we have to be willing. We have to be willing to allow him, and that's this faith, accepting of who God is, and then allowing him and having faith that He'll do what He says He'll do, and He He will allow us to love other people, and He will empower us to be something that we're not just like when he saved us on the cross we became a child of god and we moved from a position of being a sinner to being something that we're not a child of god a christ one a new creation old things are passed away for all things become new and now as believers are we going to continue to allow him to change us to take us on this love journey with him to show us what, what, is, what kind of depths and heights of joy are capable for us. I pray that we, I pray that we do that. Um, this is the in Kings. It talks about the small voice of God. It's not always... A, God's not a... Always yelling in these loud kind of times. It's in our quiet times when we go to Him in prayer that He talks to us. Are we willing to listen? Are we willing to be wholehearted? That's another thing that the Lord would want out of us. When we talk about unconditional love, let's not get it too twisted. There are some conditions. The condition that God wants is are we willing to accept who He is and what He's capable of doing in our lives? And are we, you know, another condition is that He does want us to be wholehearted. He knows that we won't be wholehearted, and He's given us provisions to, when we make mistakes, confess our sins, and we continue on this path of sanctification where we grow as children and trying to be more mature in our faith, where we're leaning on Him um, more times than not. But are we wholehearted? Are we wanting to be wholehearted or are we okay with settling for not being all in for the Lord and when you're not all in for the Lord you're not going to reap the benefits of this maximized joy so it's I know in my life anyways I've seen that where you know you you're one foot in one foot out or you're not fully fully engaged and and you have different distractions, whatever those distractions might be, be honest. You're not wholehearted, bring that to the Lord and Lord help me. Lord help me to be wholehearted. Show me more about the joy and show me more about how I can do that. And he he will. And he's powerful enough to do that. Um, we shall not want. We have everything that we need like this idea that there's things out there that we need to be more happy or to truly live you should erase that right out of your minds and you know i i have to pray about this too lord just help me to focus on all that i have in you and just take you at your word and psalms 23 here that's what he says he's our shepherd he he's sent His Son to die for us, and we have all that we need. So if we're honest with the Lord, we can have a prayer even like this. Lord, search me. Search my heart and try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me. Sometimes, as human beings, we can get caught up with uh, telling ourselves that you know, a version of a reality and you listen to that lie to yourself so much that it sometimes blurs your vision of what's really true in your own life. So sometimes it is where we can pray to the Lord to even help us to sort through um, what we're accepting to be within His will for us in our lives. And He'll help us, you know, He tells us that You know, He gives us the fruit of the Spirit here in Galatians. And, you know, true love and true joy are only things that are received when we're in fellowship with Him. So, uh, back to John chapter 14. And let's go down to verse 13. I have it up here if you don't want to turn there, too just trying to highlight a few of the tools here that he's given us so that we could be successful in this endeavor to seeing his unconditional love and trying to allow ourselves to love other people the way that he loves us. And you know, one of the tools is the comforter. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide in you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwells with you, and shall be in you. I I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also." We can just stop there, but uh i I just love this uh name for the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. I think it's such a there's a lot of different verses in the Bible where it talks about the Holy Spirit, but this idea that he comforts us and just even thinking about having access to the Lord at any point, no matter where you're at, and having the Lord inside you does give me, I know personally, assurance in this endeavor to be something different than I am by my own nature, to to love people in this way that he would want us to, to love. So, just some food for thought as far as who God is. If God was some sort of dictator, he wouldn't give you a comforter. Maybe, you know, People, when they read the Bible, I, I, I sometimes wonder what they're reading because some of this stuff just jumps, up, jumps out at me all the time. And I don't know where people get some of their visions of God and their interpretations of what His Word has to say. But uh, the Spirit of truth, so he'll, the Holy Spirit will also convict us and help us to see what God's will is for us and the truth of His Word. We have enemies, right? I was in the military, so I a lot of times think of things in military kind of battle grounds, I guess. And uh, we do. First John 2 talks about we have love not the world, neither things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of your flesh, the lust of your eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And it's going to pass away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of the God will abide forever. Do you believe him? Do you accept his finished work on the cross? And, you know, if you're walking in fellowship, there'll be rewards in heaven for, for, for those times that you were able to trust him and allow him to work in and through you. This is bringing forward this idea that there is a adversaries out there. And I think you know, pastor does a really good job, and other um, elders and different folks have taught in this church. It's pretty strong doctrine. We've f- we've heard this before, right? And it's it's really good, though. I think to remind ourselves that the world perspective is contr- contrary to God's. It's 100% opposed. Even back in Genesis, when God told Adam and Eve, don't eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Satan paraphrasing was, does God really mean what he says? Right? Same thing with you and me. He tells us that we'll find real joy walking and talking with him. And there's always things of the world and even inside of our own flesh where our, our old sin nature, we have these ideas and we have worldly influences that try to question this authority and what God has to say and don't, don't listen to it is why I'm bringing it forward. Don't, you don't have to. He gives us some things. You know, I'm not going to read all through this. I think we've read Ephesians 6, but it goes through the whole armor of God. And at the very end, it talks about the Word of God and praying always. So how do you apply all of God's armor? And I like to simplify things. So for me, it's thinking about the Word of God and the power of prayer. And there's a number of different passages in the Bible that talk about praying without ceasing, praying always. And if God says what He means, does He want us to pray all the time? The answer is yes, He does. Does that seem a little ridiculous? I know my kids, and even this idea of worldly thinking is hard to explain to your kids, believe it or not, because some things in the world don't seem that bad, like sports. Sports aren't really that bad. There's a lot of things. Music isn't that bad. There's some hedonistic things that are very bad in a sense of you don't even have to question if that lifestyle is contrary to God's will. But there are some things in the, in the world that don't seem it, that bad and are relatively innocent in, in, the, in the way that we would look at them. But they become bad when they become an idol. So when the only thing you ever think about is swimming fast, I'm a swim coach, I like swimming fast. I got some fast swimmers in, in my family even. And I have to bring this before the Lord too. Lord, rein me in a little bit. So that this doesn't become my sole focus. So what are we focused on? I think helps us to, and it is a good way to explain this idea to your kids. I see mine back there laughing, but it is, it is sometimes hard to understand how some things of the world aren't as bad as you know you think of as like drugs, sex, and rock and roll, and all these other things that could. You can kind of easily see how they're not even moral. And, and in Romans, we know that there's the moral immoral, and, and religious people in the world, and they all have different values and viewpoints that our kids and us will be exposed to all the time. So we constantly have to be praying, and that's this prayer piece and tapping into this unconditionally loving God that speaks things into existence and that will help us to understand when things are becoming out of balance when things are becoming more of an idol, when our focus is off. But this idea of how much does he want us to focus on him, when he brings forward this idea of being wholehearted, all in, like I want all of you. Like if you're in a marriage, how much of your wife and how much love do you want in that relationship, not physically, but just emotionally? You want all of that, right? God wants all of you, all the time. And if you're in a relationship and God created us because He wanted a fellowship with us and He wants to walk and talk with you, how much does He want to walk and talk with you? All the time. And when you put it in that perspective, does praying without ceasing seem ridiculous anymore? Because I know sometimes when I'm talking with kids, when you talk to them about praying without ceasing or always praying, they say it's kind of ridiculous. You can't do that all the time. And... I, you know, I know that you can't maybe pray when you're trying to complete a perfect weld or, or something. When you're really trying to focus on certain things, you're not going to be praying in, in and through all those moments, right? But even when I've crashed vehicles, I've flipped vehicles and crashed them in different things, and right in the heat of the moment, as I'm crashing, I'm saying a prayer. So you can pray pretty much, Most of the time, there's certain times, I'll give a little caveat there, there's certain times where you have to focus on other things, but, you know, not that often. So we should have a plan, right? And God gives us the plan. He gives us the tools. He gives us the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and this ability to talk to Him any place, any time. And are we going to let that or abide in that and allow that allow His Word and the Holy Spirit to have control over our minds? Are we all in on this in a sense of giving Him our whole heart? And are we willing to let Him be our guide? Put the compass up there because if you're really all in, you're willing to take a little bit of a back seat to the Lord and say, not my will, but Your will, Lord. Lord, use me and guide me. Show me the way that I should go this idea that we're walking in the spirit, we're praying, we're allowing the Lord to work in and through us, that's how we have victory in our lives over the trials that come our way, the temptations and even our doubts that that we would have of our own flesh and there is a spiritual battle, but if we're walking in the power source that is this power source that defines things that is God, right? We're, sometimes we, we, we get so drawn into the world's perspective of God, we think of him as a Marvel character. But when you go out in the woods, when you're a forester, or if you're like Jimmy works alone in the woods a lot, I know there's a lot of people here that have spent time in the creation alone, or they've seen different things. It, it's magnificent, and it's powerful, and the sin curse is real when you're getting your face ripped off by brush. I've prayed, like, wow, it would be pretty nice to see what this creation, the new king, new heaven, new earth, Maybe, hopefully there's no brush, right? There's some things that would be great to see that are apart from the sin curse. But overall, when you see the power of God, like I fought a bunch of wildfires, and you see these huge wildfires that are ripping a, across the tops of trees, you know, not just power, just magnificent amounts of power. And I haven't been in too many hurricanes or anything like that, but you watch videos of that stuff and you even think of this idea of parting the Red Sea. Well, for me, it's not that outlandish because I've seen fires take trees and toss them, you know, and you see the, the aspects of the flood and you see different things that have happened And it's not that hard for me to believe that God can do some of the miracles that He did in the Bible. And I hope that it's not that hard for you to see that either. And I hope that you're teaching your kids that and and that you can testify these things to the people that God brings into your spheres of influence. But this is uh, the rest of this piece here. And I'll just read it to you. But the comforter... Which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So, part of the Holy Spirit's job is to comfort us and teach us about the things that Jesus has said to us. And that kind of brings us back to those I ams. You know, do we really believe that he's the resurrection and life? I like to use that when I'm giving people the gospel sometimes too, but. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth peace, I give unto you. The world can't give you a peace that is real, that can help to curb your anxieties, that can help to give you real joy. It's kind of a fake to fake situation where it's, you know, there's pleasure in sin for a season, and sometimes even some of your smartest friends can give you some advice about how to overcome a problem or, or something like that and it might give you a little bit of temporary peace but what happens when you walk away and you're in your own quiet time or you're up against the same anxiety it comes back it's, it revisits you right and the peace that God leaves with us is able to, to squash some of that stuff and as we grow in trust he changes us and he even rem- he'll remove those anxieties from us so we don't think about them anymore and uh and he says there in verse 28 ye have heard how i said unto you i go away and come again unto you so we do have this idea this future hope that jesus is going to come again for us and receive us unto ourselves and our situational change and we'll be face to face with him in heaven uh Just go through a few more verses and then I think we'll call it. But So 1 Peter 5, 6. So how do we get to this place where we can really trust and, and rely on the Lord to, to show us um, how to love others and to, to grow? We have to be humble. So the Lord tells us to humble ourselves under His hand that He can exalt us in due time. Pride. I mean, pride gets in the way of this all the time. And when we have an issue with our loved ones where something happens in a relationship, we don't forgive them. We don't move on because we have no humility. Because we're so full of ourselves, we think that we have the answer or we deserve something. But we don't deserve anything. We're not owed anything. And if we keep that perspective... I think it, it would help. It always, it always is where I need to get to in my own life anyways is to, to get to that place of humility and then readjust your gaze so your focus isn't on other people or your problems. It's on the one that can do something about it. And then we should be casting all our cares upon him for he cares for us. And I think I'll end there. Uh, if you have time, I would read through. I was going to go into Matthew 6 a little bit. And it does talk about uh, you know, this idea that we're supposed to be laying up. I'm just going to read through. Um, clo- let's just close with this. Let's go to Matthew 6 and we'll close here. In verse 19, he says, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where their thieves do not break through nor steal. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of your body is the eye. If there, therefore, thine eye Single the, Be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness! No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and man and then verse 33 goes on and says but seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these shang- things shall be added unto you and just goes back to just this idea that we can't we can't serve the world we can't be drawn to the world and focused on the world and the value and putting value in temporary things you know you think i have a log house and i'm it's just a constant work farm. The thing is just rotting all the time, different things. Like that's what's going on with the world is it's temporary. It's uh it's not sustainable. It's not a eternal situation. So let's not be focused on on the things of this world and you can't be in and out of fellowship at the same time. So when you're focused on things of the world, you're not in fellowship when they become your first love, when they become your idol, you're out of fellowship. And you need to say the same thing that God says about sin is He wants to have your affections. He wants you to be in communion with Him and, and walking and talking with Him and He can't be in the presence of sin. And sin is anything that we do that's contrary to the will of God and uh, we've got to make sure that we're we're confessing that, but the root of sinning sometimes is that we're attracted to these things and we've set our affections on these things and we're, we're not focused on our future hope and we're not focused on loving other people in an unconditional way or even seeing that as being valuable. So I pray that we can see that as, as being a valuable Thing, that we would have confidence that we can love other people in this unconditional way but we have to rest in God's provisions and a lot of the verses in the Bible talk about allowing the Lord these passive rest, yield, abide it's, a, it's allowing the Lord to change us but we have to want that and we have to seek that and we have to uh, apply the tools and provisions that he's given us. So uh, let's let's pray and call it a night. Dearly Father, I just thank you for this time that we can look into your word and I just thank you for all that you've done for us and sending your son to die for us and giving us this new life that we can live. And I just pray that we could find value in this life, that we could see that true joy and peace is truly found in walking and talking with you, that we could give you credit, Lord, for who you really are, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, our Savior, our friend, that we could be thankful for your provision and the comforter that you've given us, that we have all that we need in your written will that we would find the desire to dive into that. If we want an adventure, what an adventure it is to, to seek you and to see how you flex in our lives and how you show us more of who you are when we dive into your word. And I just pray that we could continually stay in short communion with you in prayer and that we could uh, stay humble, that we could help each other out, that we could be be there for each other and and knowing that helping other people out is always pointing them back to you, and that we have, have nothing in and of ourselves to offer anyone other than showing them what you can do for them. And I just pray that that would be a priority in our lives, that we would value, value that, and that we'd be confident in that, Lord, that we would seek, seek to know you and that we would taste and see this joy and peace that you offer to us. In Jesus' name, amen.